The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 325 for August 19th, 2012. Verizon's 4G network now covers 75% of the U.S. population. Pre-orders for the new iPhone could begin September 12th, and AT&T will allow FaceTime over 3G. For some, my name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. First today, a couple of comments about the iPad with data service while traveling. So uh, I took a trip this week, and I, uh, as I always do, I like to report back on some things that uh, I found when using devices while on the go. Uh, I spent my time in Chicago, and uh, the first thing that I will say is that I, I was very, very disappointed uh, with the service that I received um, from AT&T while in uh, the Chicagoland area, primarily within the loop, which is kind of like the downtown area. But the interesting thing that I found about that is it was really only between the hours of about 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. So it's like as the rush of people comes into downtown, uh, the networks just can't can't handle it. Now, um, I can't say that that was an issue, though, for Verizon. Um, I have the LTE service on the iPad, and it was absolutely spectacular for the most part. Everywhere I went, I was taking the iPad with me so that I could tether uh, my AT&T device to it just so that I could get uh, data service. The interesting thing, though, was that voice service was just fine. I made a number of calls on AT&T uh, to other AT&T customers and had no problems there. So, you know, your experience mimics my experience when I was way, 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 way out in the uh, boondock suburbs of Chicago with Sprint. There was just no data. It, it did not work on the, the EVDO, even the 1X RTT side of things. Just nothing. It, I can make phone calls. Piece of cake had plenty of signal strength. But no data. Just It was just saturated to the point where nothing worked. And it was like that wherever I went for the three, two, two to three days I was there. Uh, the only thing that did work was WiMAX. So, you know, your experience mimics mine. And uh, I know it's really hard to tell, but you had a Verizon BlackBerry and eVideo. How was that uh, performing? That, that seemed just fine. There were a couple of places where it did switch over to, uh, to 1X, um, but those were primarily in buildings. And, um, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't even really think about that, especially when it's a BlackBerry and all it's really doing is sending and receiving email. So I'd, I didn't really notice it with that. It seemed to work just fine. But I did notice because I have emails coming in uh, on both the, the BlackBerry and, and the iPhone, uh, same emails uh, in some cases coming in on both. And it was, I mean, sometimes not even showing up on the iPhone just because there was not enough service to, to even push through an email. So um, that, that was, uh, it was, it was interesting and frustrating at the same time. And thank goodness I had, I had a way to, to use the LTE and tether it to, uh, to get the, the other services working. Well, it reminds me of the CES we did a couple of years ago where it was just worthless. You, nothing on AT&T. There was, uh, it was laughable how poor the service was because I think it went for four hours without getting an email. I mean, there was just no data, absolutely none. And that's not what you expect when you have, you know, the, the payment that you make every month for that service. And, you know, you're used to like where you live, where you got, you know, eight megabit speed test and, you know, no problem. But it's, uh, it, you know, this is kind of what is driving, uh, you know, this quality, uh, you know, the quality of Verizon really seems to, they, they have it together, it seems. I mean, obviously not for everybody, but it, it really does, uh, it shows that they're kind of leading the pack here as far as data reliability. 
And and it's not to say that it was it was a bad experience. Uh, you know, the, the entire time I was there was a bad experience. It was just this this period of time. In fact, I you know as soon as I think it was like seven o'clock hit, I, I ended up running a speed test just to see what would what happened then. And it was like you know five megabit per second. So it's clearly a saturation problem. And, and just the whether they don't have enough spectrum uh, in that area or they don't have enough towers or it's just not it's not built out properly. It's 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 one of those. It felt like it was a legacy network where they had um, they had it everywhere covered but they didn't have enough spectrum uh, to be able to use there. And I, I anticipate this is probably the biggest issue that we see uh, in like San Francisco and in New York as well with AT&T. It's just you don't hear of that often uh, it coming up for the Chicago area. You know, and it must be one of those things where it's uh, probably a combination of everything. It's probably, you know, but tower backhauls for, the, you know, the actual data coming to and from the tower. It's probably the spectrum. It's probably a little of everything uh, that's, you know, creating that issue. Maybe, you know, a bigger convention was in town or something. You know, there's all kinds of little factors that can, you know, come into play. It's true. Uh, you know, the, and again, you, we, can, we can start to make excuses or to try and come up with reasons, but no problems with LTE and with Verizon. And that, that said, I mean, there's probably uh, fewer people on that network, but still, I mean, it worked, it worked, I mean, great, you know, zero problems at all. And, and uh, you know, I was able to do, you know, great uh, video calls. Uh, with no latency, no issues with with speeds or anything like that. So uh, th- there's there's still something to this where there's it was it just wasn't a good experience. But uh, outside of all of this, I have found an interesting thing here, and this is something that I I, I did not even suspect before. Um, and, and this is also kind of a PSA. Now, when you get on a plane, they always tell you to turn off all your electronics. Well. I know this happens to a lot of people. It's not just me, and it wasn't intentional. And that was, you don't turn off the cellular service on your iPad. Your, your iPad's up in a in a the overhead, or it's in a bag, or wherever it is. But it's just the the iPad is on, the cellular service is on, and 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 whatever. So when I when you get up, you know, and I pull out the 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 device, and I actually was on a, a flight with Wi-Fi, and I connected up to that, um, and I, I didn't even really think anything more than than that, and I was uh when i was connected uh i i was able to surf the the intranet if you will that they had on there and but what i was also seeing was that of course my mail account was not working quite properly because of course i hadn't paid for the service or anything and so the bottom line was uh at, when i got off the flight in fact and I, I know this happened on the flight because i was texting just before i got on with joey that i'd used about a gigabyte of data service on my ipad uh, during the the time that I was in this area, just talking about how interesting it was, how quickly you can go through data, and it was you know uh, twenty eight hours or something like that. When I got off uh, the flight, I, I happened to go back in and check my cellular usage. Between sent and received, I was over twenty gigabytes of data showing is have been used. So what I'm thinking is happening here uh, is when you are on uh, when you're when you're your iOS device specifically, whether it's an iPad or an iPhone, and uh, is is in an area where you've got no service or limited service. Uh, it's constantly trying to send and receive and do things, and because it can't, it's just it's just this constant you know trying, and and it just it never ended up really working. I have seen before where I was I was shocked by the amount of data that my phone. Uh, or my device had showed that I had used over a period of time when it was I hadn't figured it would have been that much, and it was the same type of thing where I forgot to turn the iPad off, uh, and it was it was like it was in the air and still trying to figure out uh, different things. So I I don't have the technical reason of why this happened, but it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting observation that uh, and and basically and it, something to say make sure you're turning your iPad off or at least put it in airplane mode when you're on a plane if you use that usage tracker because it could get screwed up if you don't. 
So, you know, you said it reported 20 gigs. So on your flight, it used 19 gigs of data is what you're saying it, it reports. It's exactly what I'm saying. And that, that is, and it was, and, and of course I didn't because I'm in the air. It's not, I couldn't use anything. So it was, but it was almost like the, the it kept trying to, you know, send and receive mail or, or something. Something was going on in the background and it just totally screwed up this, this counter. Boy, did it ever. Yeah, that's just, that's just buggy. That's all I, you could attribute that to. Yeah, and you think about it, you know, because there were times when um, I wasn't using I wasn't using it, and so it was off. Um, it, it, you're not off, but it was in standby, and it wouldn't have been connected to the Wi-Fi, I guess. And and so it, maybe that was when it was happening. I don't know. Either way, it was very strange. So if you've ever seen this, maybe this will be an aha moment for you, and you go, I, I did not think I used that much data last month. Maybe that was was the case. So either way, let's jump into the news here. We've got a few interesting things to talk about. First off, um, as they always do, uh, Fierce Wireless reported on the uh, second quarter numbers from Strategy Analytics, and they posted results from the top carriers in the U.S. from this previous quarter. So in Q2, Verizon remained in the top spot with 111.3 million subscribers. That edged out AT&T's 105.2 million. Both saw healthy growth with Verizon adding 1.4 million customers and AT&T adding 1.2 million. Keeping in third spot, Sprint added 283,000 users, bringing them up to 56.1 million. T-Mobile's finished fourth with a loss of 205,000, finishing at 33.2 million. Rounding out the top eight include Clearwire at 11 million, MetroPCS at 9.3 million, Leap Wireless at 5.9 million, and US Sailor at 5.8 million. Slots 9 through 12 belong to Seaspire, ATN, Cincinnati Bell, and Entelos, each of which had around half a million subscribers. So, you know, looking at these numbers, we now have uh, over 215 million subscribers between uh, Verizon and AT&T. And of course, that's more than everyone else combined by a long shot. Uh, but the more interesting thing is just how many people that they are still adding. Verizon at uh, 1.4, AT&T adding 1.2 million. And their churn is just as low as it can get, lower than any other carrier, mostly uh, I would imagine because people are stuck into their contracts with them. Uh, but 1.1% with Verizon, 1.2% on AT&T, and uh, the amount that is being billed towards the data service is actually quite high as well. Verizon's 43% as well as AT&T. Now, the ARPUs there are not quite as high as some of the other guys. Uh, Verizon's at 54 bucks, AT&T's at 47 uh, But all of these numbers add up to one thing, and that's that both of these carriers are really creating, and, and there's no way else to put it, a duopoly here in this. Yes, there are other options that are out there, but when you're looking to get the best device that's out there, the the, the latest thing that comes out, um, you know, thank goodness we've got Sprint in third, and T-Mobile has got a strong prepaid presence because otherwise we'd be we'd be really stuck here, and I feel like we'd be paying even more for our wireless service. You know, I think so as well. Uh, that does help keep things down. But yeah, you're right. the The trend of this is just uh, it is a little bit concerning. I mean. You know, we take a step back uh, 10 years looking at the market. You know, we had kind of the Singular and the Verizon or whatever it was even called before that and Sprint. You know, they were not this far apart. And I think that, uh, you know, now that they've got so much momentum, the the, the big two there, that uh, they're going to just kind of steamroller out. And I have a feeling some of these other smaller ones uh, may just start uh, falling off the radar here. 
falling off or maybe consolidating. Obviously, you look at, uh, you know, a Metro PCS and a Leap Wireless. Those two combined would uh, create, a, you know, a network that only had, you know, 15 million subscribers. No, no real issues there. Um, Clearwire, of course, you know, has 11 million subscribers. That's a little deceiving because, of course, we're talking about numbers that are um, their wholesale subscribers as well as native subscribers. And it's an, an all data network. So it's primarily the Sprint subscribers that are using 4G devices that are, are counted in those numbers. So it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison, but uh, either way, you know, you've got, you've got some big numbers here from both Verizon and AT&T Verizon still eking out uh, that number one position pretty handily. In fact, I mean, we're talking about uh, over 6 million subscribers ahead of AT&T at this point, and they're adding more each quarter than AT&T is. So expect them to be in that spot for quite a while. The New York Times on Monday reporting that Google will undergo a restructuring of subsidiary Motorola, cutting 20% of its workforce or around 4,000 people. Along with the approximately 2,700 outside the U.S., 84 Motorola offices around the world uh, will be will be closed in order to focus its research and development ter- teams in Chicago, Illinois, Sunnyvale, California, and Beijing, China. Now, moving forward, Motorola will focus on making fewer high-quality devices and is considering full abandonment of the entry-level smartphone market. Motorola Mobility CEO Dennis Woodside said that the company announced 27 phones in 2011 and will cut this down to just a few per year moving forward. Google confirmed the report uh, even further on Monday uh, when they announced an SEC filing about the changes. AT&T on Thursday announced the expansion of its 4G LTE network into new markets. Those include Waco, Texas, Fayetteville, and Springdale, Bentonville, and Rogers, Arkansas. The new markets bring the total served by the 4G service to 53. Then Verizon announcing this week that with another 34 net markets coming online starting on August 16th, they now have 371 4G LTE markets online around the country, and that represents coverage of 75% of the U.S. population. Population. The new markets now online include Topeka, Kansas, Battle Creek, Michigan, Redding, Pennsylvania, and Odessa, Texas. Joey, just absolutely blowing away AT&T when it comes to 4G coverage. Yeah, the, the coverage of LTE is pretty staggering. You know, there's a bunch of little places I end up in, and a lot of them are either covered with LTE by, by Verizon or very, very close to area with LTE, you know, including some parts of South Dakota. Um, you know, this particular expansion includes some more here in the Twin Cities. So it's a very, um, you know, robust network they've built out here. And I know places in Indiana, I mean, lots of rural areas as well as just the the bigger cities. So, you know, they've really come through on their promise of uh, expanding their LTE network quick. And, you know, L- AT&T is as well. They, they definitely have, uh, uh, Verizon has a lead start, but AT&T is really uh, trying to kick it in gear as well because, you know, as we you know had with the, the the previous story, they're the two top carriers, and they need to be able to maintain this. So, and the LTE is the answer because of its uh, increased capacity on uh, spectrum that it uses and everything like that. So, it's it is uh, very important for these two big carriers to have LTE deployments. Verizon says they're ahead of schedule with their four G LTE market rollouts and will be covering more than 400 markets in the very near future. The FCC and the U.S. Department of Justice on Thursday announced the approval of the Verizon wireless acquisition of the 122 AWS Spectrum licenses. The deal with a group of cable companies known as Spectrum Co. is valued at nearly $4 billion. For the approval to go through, the FCC has required Verizon to divest some of its Spectrum to T-Mobile, and the DOJ has put various cross-marketing agreements and restrictions on the deal. The Spectrum will be used by Verizon to augment its 700 megahertz LTE spectrum and the deal follows the agreement made 
in July with T-Mobile, where they sold AWS Spectrum licenses in 218 U.S. markets. You know, another thing that they're doing, of course, that uh, will help them out in the long run, uh, offsetting with uh, what they're doing in the 700 megahertz with stuff in 1700 megahertz. Going back to my story from the beginning of uh, of the show, where you will need you know additional spectrum in uh, especially heavily saturated markets uh, in downtown type urban and urban settings where they will need to do things like this. So this is, I think, a big uh, big uh, thing for them, and I'm I'm really excited that Verizon has been able to get this done. Uh, you know, obviously they're you know they're making steps to to take care of it while AT and T is just you know going ahead and trying to you know acquire full companies like T-Mobile, uh, and obviously that didn't work for them. So an interesting uh, interesting way that they went about this four billion dollars though for that cable spectrum deal. Well, as we talk about each week, you can help support the cell phone junkie and the work we do by signing up for TCPJ Unlocked. The Unlocked podcast is our bi-monthly premium show offering in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link for TCPJ Unlocked, and choose from either a monthly or quarterly membership. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. Well, iMore on Monday reported that Apple will begin taking pre-orders for the new iPhone the same day it believes Apple will announce the device. They reiterate the device will go on sale the following week, Friday, September 21st. Uh, uh, Additional international markets are said to be coming online then in the first week of October. So if you're looking for the new iPhone, looks like pre-orders are beginning September 12th. So either this new iPhone here is the worst kept secret or the best kept secret. We've seen so many parts leaks and so many... Uh, you know, devices constructed with all the parts leaks and, uh, you know, the the speculation, the new dock and all the little details about it. Either we know everything about this phone already or we know almost nothing about it, maybe with the exception of LTE in it. And it's it's going to be really interesting to see what the actual device looks like when it's finally, finally announced. You know, I, I would I think I'm going to be surprised if it doesn't look exactly like what the what we've seen here. If I if I see a dot connector that doesn't look exactly like the the leaked parts that I've seen, um, you know, if uh, it doesn't have this this metal back that's kind of a unibody construction, if it's not a four inch screen, if you know, if it looks different than this, and if it's it's just it's going to just shock everybody. And who knows? I mean, I I don't really feel like that's what is going to happen, but certainly it could. It, it very well could, but uh, you know, really, the, the the devices that have been constructed based on the leak parts to me is what you know. I kind of expect the device to even look like just just an intuition from you know the 4s and the, the way they need to maximize battery life and just kind of the design of the Apple iPhone. I don't think there's any problem with what they're, you know, what they're doing. They don't need to reinvent this thing. Um, they've got a, a very unique design. A lot of people love it, even though it, uh, you know, it's very fragile just because it, it looks so great. And, and that's, you know, because it's a small device doesn't really mean anything to some people. Um, you know, there are, there are other options out there. If you don't want this small of a phone, you're going to go and get something else. There's, you know, there's just, that's all there is to it. So yeah, either way, uh, again, Friday, September or excuse me, it would be Tuesday, September 12th is the date that we're anticipating this one to uh, to, to be announced. Uh, to say that Tuesday? Wednesday. The 12th is a Wednesday. Released then on Friday, September 21st. Either way, coming up very soon, just a couple of weeks away. Sprint on Monday announced the launch of the Motorola Photon QLTE, set to go on sale August 19th for $200. The device features Sprint's LTE network, Android 4, a 1.5 gigahertz dual-core processor, and a full sliding QWERTY keyboard. Verizon on Wednesday announced the launch of the Samsung Galaxy Tab 2 7.0. The device will run Android 4 and TouchWiz 4 and features a 1024 by 600 
display, one gigahertz dual core processor, one gig of RAM, and eight gigs of internal memory. The Tab 2 7.0 will be available with service on Verizon's 4G LTE network on share everything plans or standalone options starting at $40 a month for four gigs of data. The device was on sale starting Friday, August 17th. $349.99. Samsung on Thursday announced the Galaxy Note 10.1 would be coming available August 16th in the U.S. Pricing for the unit, $499 or $549 for the 16 and 32 gigabyte models, respectively. The device features a 1.4 gigahertz quad-core processor, 2 gigs of RAM, a 10.1-inch WXGA LCD display, 5-megapixel rear camera, 1.9-megapixel front-facing camera, and Android 4.0, along with the announcement, Samsung said it has now sold more than 10 million Galaxy Note smartphones since the device launched late last year. Sprint on Wednesday announced the Kyocera Rise for both Sprint and Virgin Mobile. The Rise is an Android 4 device with a sliding QWERTY keyboard, 3.5-inch HVGA display, 3.2-megapixel camera, 1-gigahertz processor, and a 1,500-milliamp-hour battery. It will launch on Sunday, uh, August 19th for $19.99 at all Sprint retail channels. Virgin will be offering the device beginning on August 31st for $100. Well, if you're looking for another way to support the show, we have the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application available for Android and the iOS for $1.99. For the true Cell Phone Junkie, the app allows you to listen to this show, the weekly mobile news show, in a simple and effective package. You can listen to the show in the background while you do other things on your device. You can also call in the show, email the show, follow the Twitter feed, and also view a PDF document of the show notes to follow along as we talk. If you're into the uh, Cell Phone Junkie as a show and you'd like to support us, our iOS and Android apps are for you. And also just to uh, to note, uh, new this week to the iOS version of the app, uh, it will add support for iCloud to sync start episodes and settings. So if you're an Apple user and you have this on two uh, or more iOS devices, you can sync back and forth on what you're starring. AT&T clarified its position on FaceTime over cellular in iOS 6 on Friday, announcing that it will include the feature, but only for those with mobile shared data plans. Now, according to AT&T, they will offer FaceTime over cellular as an added benefit to new mobile shared data plans, which will be created to meet uh, users' growing data needs at a great value. The mobile share with more data you use, the more you save, they say. FaceTime will continue to be available as well over Wi-Fi for all customers. So, you know, like with the change uh, to the shared plans and Verizon side, um, you know, they are including tethering with the shared plan on AT&T side. So I think this is kind of why they're funneling that to that direction, because they're going to be allowing tethering. So there's not going to be any additional fees to use any of these data services. So I can I can see why they did this, but not even having the option to add it or pay for it seems kind of silly. But of course, you know, the point is data is data. Why can't you use the data plan that you purchase? And of course, tethering falls into that, but they've never allowed that uh, to be free. So why make the FaceTime over cellular free? And it, it is frustrating uh, for people on current AT&T plans that are especially on, you know, single single phones where the shared plans just don't make any financial sense because they are drastically more expensive for just a single user. Well, that and uh, an internal document this weekend also revealed that the FaceTime over cellular, not only is it going to be restricted on AT&T to certain plans, but also for only certain devices. So we're talking iPhone 4S, iPad third generation, and newer products. So that iPhone 4 and iPad 2 that are FaceTime capable, you will not be able to use them with the new feature, according to this document. 
that is very interesting. Now, the iPad 2, I guess I can understand uh, that you wouldn't be able to do that over cellular because uh, it's a little bit older. It's not LTE. Uh, I guess I can get that, but that is a little disappointing, I'm sure, for a lot of the iPad 2 owners out there. And of course, the iPhone 4, because, uh, you know, that maybe there's some other particular hardware change. Maybe they have a little bit better uh, hardware compression to push the data a little bit, uh, uh, compress it a little bit better to, to use over the cellular network. Well, and it's, uh, you know, it's not like this is something that is going to be across all the carriers. We have heard from Verizon and Sprint that they will be uh, allowing use of uh, the cellular FaceTime over cellular with what it sounds like all current uh, plans and uh, devices, which, of course, may only mean certain devices here. But uh, who knows? We'll, We'll have to see when they finally come out to announce that. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that Verizon would have the same deal where you have to be on a shared one of the new shared plans to get this. Uh, but they claim that they're they're not going to uh, restrict the use of this. So we'll have to just see. You know, they have come out and said that if you want to get a subsidized price for a new device, you're going to have to switch to one of these plans. But they also say if you want to buy a device and just you know pay the full outright price you can stay on the unlimited plans and they don't they don't really re- you know they they don't throttle you like AT&T does when you get over a certain amount which is is pretty big um and, and so I, I understand that you know why people want to stay with those plans and it's uh, in many cases worth the time to you know to stick around and buy a device outright just because you know if you're a heavy user if you need the data especially if you're on LTE this is a great way to go uh you know to to stick with one of these unlimited plans and I would I would absolutely you know probably buy be purchasing device is outright because then you're not signing another contract either which is nice that is you know and, and you know this kind of opens up a whole nother uh, uh you know concept of how we're going to be kind of purchasing and, and doing plans in the future like you know i kind of almost like this shift i like to take away this two-year contract deal and move it more towards actually paying for the device and having kind of everything outright but of course the consumers really don't like that uh, high upfront cost no one's going to pay $600 for an iPhone at least not the general public they're going to they're you know lucky to spend 200 and if you're really reaching there you're going to you know spend the 400 to buy the the one with all the storage inside of it and you know i got thinking about it this week uh, i don't know if 16 gigs is going to be the, the the size for me moving forward just based on you know what some of the stuff that i'm going to want to do here um, i i i broke down and started caching slacker stations this week just because of how much i use it and, uh, you know, I, I found that I was listening to about the same five stations. And so I started caching those. Um, and yes, I don't get my, my hourly news updates, but, uh, but it was kind of an experiment to go with. And I was, I was okay with it. I, I did not, uh, did not feel like I was missing out. So maybe I'll, uh, drop my use down a little bit here because I won't be streaming hours and hours a day. That sounds like a good idea, actually, you know, that to take advantage of the, uh, the extra capability of the slacker. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on. Microsoft on Tuesday announcing a refreshed user interface for its SkyDrive cloud storage service along with a new mobile application for Android. Changes include a refreshed desktop and tablet design with faster performance and more APIs. The new Android app will let users access, upload, and share files as well as photos and other information. The app is set to arrive in the next few weeks. Popular social network Pinterest announced on Tuesday a new mobile application for Android. The app lets users search for, pin, repin, and like or comment on posted pins. The app is available for free in the Google Play Store. And along with that app, a universal iOS app that now includes an iPad version for an, and an updated iPhone version 
was also pushed out this week. That happened on Wednesday. Google updated its maps for Android this week, bringing the ability to find public transport stations. The app will provide schedule and departure provide schedule and departure information for more than 1 million bus, train, and subway stations. The update is available through the Google Play Store. Google this week began offering a feature called Smart App Updates, allowing a user to only download the part of an application that has been updated. The change was announced back at Google I.O. in June and is being done to save data and reduce download times. Discover and Google on Thursday announced that Discover Card customers can now add their credit cards for use in Google Wallet. Purchases made through Google Wallet will offer the same cashback bonus users receive when using the card. The agreement is the first with a credit card company that allows the reward system to remain consistent between using the actual card and using it via Google Wallet. So I've yet to use it, but since my Google account had a Discover card uh, tied to it, it actually was already on my uh, Google Wallet on the phone. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, that's a, an interesting thing. I think that, you know, Discover is, is kind of like the, you know, the, the very, the kind of the small guy out there. And I know that, you know, most people take at least Visa and America uh, and uh, MasterCard American Express is that number third. Discover is fourth. But uh, from those that I know that use it, they love it. Yeah, I use mine quite a bit. There uh, a few times the number has been uh, stolen somehow, but they're very good at uh, you know closing the account and refunding that money. So they they seem to have pretty good customer service. I think that's why people stick with them quite a bit, uh, as well as some of the rewards that they they offer. So yeah, it's kind of nice to have a uh, that uh, available in the Google Wallet now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's one of those things where you know the more that they can get, the hopefully the better adoption that they'll have, and more people will use it, and uh, the better the system will become in general. Verizon this week began pushing out the ICS update to the Motorola Droid 4 devices, along with the typical Android 4.0 enhancements. The update also brings a global roaming functionality to the device. The device, uh, the, excuse me, the update for the device is around 360 megs. It can be downloaded by checking system update under about phone on the device questions and comments this week first up a question from greg he says guys i have a verizon MiFi mobile lte hotspot it's about one year old and drops wi-fi connections quite often in a word it's flaky i'm also growing tired of the batter running battery running out there are there any prepaid usb sticks or dongles that would accept a postpaid verizon lte sim i'm on a budget and don't want to be forced to buy a postpaid replacement device at the full unsubsidized price thanks for your great show traveling greg well yes uh, greg in fact there are five out there that verizon offers right now uh and these are the verizon uh, 4g lte usb modem 55 or 551l the uml uh, two, uh 290 also another pantac model here the uml 290 well that's uh, certified pre-owned as well as another certified pre-owned pantac uh uml 290 uh, and uh, 551l um and uh there are others out there too but uh like the one that i have uh which is the VL600 by LG. Um, it's not currently offered by Verizon, uh, but I know it does work. It, it takes a normal, uh, the normal mini SIM, not the micro SIM in it, but I've used that SIM in both the Galaxy Nexus uh, and the iPad as well, and you can switch them back and forth between uh, all of these devices with no problem. But here's the kicker. If you search for Amazon for the VL600, it's only 30 bucks, and that's with no contract. This is a, a great uh, USB stick. I've been using it for uh, just about a year now, and I've had no problems with it. So if you're looking to get a deal on this, search for the VL600 on Amazon. It's only 30 bucks. Uh, I think that's probably the, a, a great way to go here and that'll get you uh, get you what you need. Or just pick up an ITE, uh, LTE, I'm sorry, LTE iPad 3, right? That, that, that'll work. I, I, that's, that's almost as cheap. <laughs> almost as cheap, right. <laughs> Gosh. 
you know, and, and honestly, I've uh, I, I rarely actually use it in the the USB stick anymore, just because it is so convenient to have uh, an LTE capable tablet uh, just with you all the time, especially when you can use the tethering on it. And that is one thing that I will give Verizon that they have included that since the beginning with the the LTE tablets that you've not had to pay any extra for that, and and so it's made me use it quite a bit more. Yeah, exactly. And and so I was going to just add one more little thing onto this. You know, getting that to USB stick is, you know, obviously not the same as a, a MiFi where it's got the Wi-Fi built into it. You know, that is something a little different because then you're kind of, you know, the MiFi is great for tethering, you know, iPhones and iPads and, and computers and all that stuff real easy. But if you just go for the USB stick, then you've got to basically plug it into a Windows or Mac PC. Uh, and then if you have any other devices you want to connect to that connection, you'll have to create a, a, a hotspot sharing on your computer, which is a lot of times a lot trickier. So I was going to throw in the mention of the cradle point. Uh, you can get those for like 35 bucks right now as well. Those, uh, what is it? PHS 300 or 3000 models. Uh, that you can then plug uh, this USB stick into in particular and create the Wi-Fi, uh, the MiFi style functionality if you need it on occasion. And that's a that's a great way to go too. And of course, I have one. Honestly, I haven't really used it uh, that much since I got the the Verizon iPad here. It's just it's something that you'd you know. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, just haven't haven't had the need because I can tether uh, with the iPad. And that's that's one of the great things. And of course, with the you know functionality coming along with these data share plans, with uh, you know throwing in the tethering there, you know one less reason. But if you are looking for this, uh, these are these are great uh, great products. These Cradle Points, you can get them for fairly cheap. One caveat with them is when you use them with LTE devices, they do not give you speeds over I think it's six megabits per second. So um, you will max out at six up and six down, which for the most part is okay. I mean you'll be able to use the, the you know use it just fine it's just something to consider that uh, you will not get full full speeds when you're using it yeah that's true so i i suppose and then the other thing you could do i mean since you're about a year old i mean you could talk to verizon maybe they'd give you a warranty replacement try uh verizon now i'm trying to remember if they got rid of this deal or not i think they did now that it, I, i'm thinking more on it they used to have a 50 dollars replacement on any device and uh you, know, you could get a refurb if you were having issues with yours out of warranty. So maybe that uh, deal still exists uh, for these devices. Maybe they'll help you out. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the, you know, using, you know, a cradle point or anything like that. I, I just want, uh, I want you to consider that, you know, you've got more than just, um, you've got more than more options out there than just that. And, and so, but it's, it's a good way to go. The VL 600 is a, is a good option here. And, and I think you'll like it just fine. I mean, it's a USB stick and it works and 30 bucks can't go wrong there. Finally today, a question from Scott. He says, Mickey and Joey, wondering if you can help. My girlfriend is switching to straight talk, and she's buying a ZTE Merit Android phone running Gingerbread 2.3. Seems straight talk doesn't allow international texting. Do you know of an Android app that would allow my girlfriend to send international texts to me in Australia? If not, is there an app that I can run on my iPhone that would give me a USA number so my girlfriend can text me for free? Is there a SIM card that I could buy that would... Uh, that would give me a USA number that would work in Australia. Really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work on the show, Scott. Well, Scott, there's a number of different things you can do. Uh, and uh, let me address a couple of things. Uh, first off, for the Android side, if you really want to have an Android app that can send text to your mobile phone number, um, there's two that I, that I found that they both say you can text internationally. One is Line 2. The other is Pinger. Uh, and so check out both of those. Uh, though I would also consider finding a cross-platform messaging uh, you know, solution. And probably the most common one that's out there is one that's called WhatsApp. 
Uh, and uh, this WhatsApp is one that I've been using for a couple of years, and it works to you know from BlackBerry to Windows Phone to Android to iOS. It's it's really quite good. And I think there's that's a great way to go as well. And you can just kind of stay out of the whole actual text messaging game. And it's, you know, back and forth messages, um, you know, via data. And so you can use it really anywhere. And it doesn't matter, you know, based on a phone number or anything. It's just tied to the device. So I do like that option. And that's probably the one for cross-platform messaging that I would recommend. However... I also like the idea of you having a US-based number. But for that, I wouldn't go with the SIM card route. I would recommend Google Voice. So what you can do is have your girlfriend grab you a phone number here in the US. So being out of the country, I do not think you can go onto Google Voice and actually register a phone number. But her being here, if she has access to your uh, your your Google account, you could have her go in and register on Google Voice and grab a phone number. Then you can install the Google Voice application on your iPhone and use the push notifications in iOS to have the messages sent to that phone number directly delivered to you. Um, and uh, I use Google Voice exclusively on my iOS devices, and I don't have an SMS plan. I have it directly tied in um, to you know just using it with data, and it works great. I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's the same on my iPad and iPod Touch. They don't have phone numbers, but I get send and I send and receive uh, SMSs constantly. I think it's probably in in this case the the best way to go. If you want a phone number, it's going to make it really easy for her because she can just text that. Um, you can also have it set up. Now she, you will have to tie it to a, a, a an actual phone number here somehow. And I maybe she can find an, another number, whether it's like a you know a third party number, um, you know at a. Well, I don't know, a business or something like a backline or something like that. All you need is just one number to basically register with that. You don't actually have to use it. Uh, it's just, you know, initially to set it up, you just need that phone number. And then um, you can have it set up so that phone calls just get routed. If someone calls the number, per, you know, by chance, they can just route the calls directly to um, voicemail and the messages can be delivered to you via email. You can also have the text messages sent to you via email if that works better for you. But like I said, with iOS, I have it just sent uh, directly via the push notification and it works perfectly i love it it's uh, it's a great way to go uh kind of a workaround but i think it would be a good way to go if that's what you're set on otherwise i would look for a different cross-platform uh, messaging solution uh something that's agnostic it doesn't matter what you're using it on that way you can switch devices as well and uh, not have a problem with it whatsapp is the recommendation there well if you have any questions or comments you can get in touch with us by sending us email questions at the cell phone junkie.com is the address or you can give us a call leave a voicemail at 206 203 Three, four. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.